Beast Watch News, watching the rising beast of Revelation. The Jews continue to foment an increased backlash against anti-Semitism in the White House, across the U.S., in U.S. universities, and at the ICC. In this report, a full analysis of the expansion and imposition of Judaism on people. Also, Turkey has begun a new push for its own dominance in the world at the same time as Jerusalem is fighting for its supremacy. Jerusalem's war cry is anti-Semitism. Turkey's war cry is diminished honor. The anti-Semitism coercion is getting out of control. There is enough anti-Semitism to go around and the pile of it is increasing all the time. I will try to unravel it so everyone can see the danger of it and how this will affect believers in Yeshua. The road to mystery Babylon is being paved with anti-Semitism. This same road will carry non-Jews into Noahidism. Those who reject this road that leads to worshipping the image of the beast will end up dead. Mystery Babylon's war engine, fueled by the anti-Semitism cry, is just getting started. Few understand the danger inherent in Judaism's anti-Semitism law that Jews are now pushing in the U.S. and Europe. This is a made-up word never found in Scripture that by obeying it, you subjugate yourself to Judaism by default. President Trump naively has subjugated the United States to Judaism, to Mystery Babylon. Listen to Chuck Baldwin as he exposes Donald Trump's tyrannical executive order. Donald Trump's executive order this past week will empower the Federal Department of Education to withhold funding to campuses that do not squash anti-Israel rhetoric. In other words, it is now official government policy to deny college students and faculty members their natural and constitutional right to criticize, especially and primarily if they criticize any and all things Israel. This will also doubtless include speech that supports Palestinian rights. Trump also declared that the religion of Judaism is a nationality or ethnicity and is beyond criticism. Can you imagine the outcry if he had declared Christianity to be a nationality? Plus, by issuing this executive order, Donald Trump has made every Christian and non-Jew in the United States a second-class citizen. But don't expect Robert Jeffress and his gaggle of Christian Zionists to figure that out. I have said repeatedly that Donald Trump is America's first Zionist president. And Trump's actions continue to prove that statement right. 
Trump's latest attack against the Constitution, specifically the First Amendment, is just his latest sellout to Israel. I'll say it straight out. Donald Trump is not trying to make America great. He's trying to make Israel great. By the way, I'm glad to see the rabid Jewish Zionist Mark Levin agree with me at the signing ceremony of this draconian executive order. Levin called Trump, quote, America's first Jewish president, close quote. Even casual research will easily discover that Trump's family is dominated by Jewish Zionists, as is his circle of friends and business associates. What a coincidence. Trump says his EO is protecting free speech on college campuses. That's a lie. His EO is squashing free speech, specifically speech that criticizes Israel or Zionism. Donald Trump is a pathetic puppet of the likes of the ultra-Zionist billionaire Sheldon Adelson. Even worse is the fact that the Christian Zionist preachers and churches in this country are as much Adelson's puppet as is Trump, which is why they love Trump so much. And all of this hypnotic support for Faw Israel can be traced directly to the false teachings of John Darby and C.I. Schofield and the thousands of Christian Zionist churches and scores of Christian Zionist colleges that those two men created. Now, the Zionist Donald Trump is trying to prohibit colleges from criticizing Zionism. If you are looking for an impeachable offense, this blatant abridgment of the First Amendment by the President of the United States is it. But don't expect Democrats in Congress to challenge Trump's unconscionable EO that officially elevates Jewishness to royalty status because the same Israeli lobby that controls the Republicans in Washington, D.C. also controls the Democrats. Trump's EO will deny funding for colleges and universities unless they prohibit the right of faculty and students to exercise their First Amendment freedom of speech to criticize Israel. How long will it be before Donald Trump decides to criminalize anyone who criticizes Israel? Donald Trump is not only a Zionist hack, he is a wannabe tyrant, and this executive order proves it. Baldwin is correct, but there is more. Trump's EO is emboldening Jewish lawmakers in the U.S. to prevent all kinds of speech, speech that could lead to anti-Semitism. No longer is it good enough to refrain from anti-Semitism. Now, Americans must be careful not to say something that could lead to upsetting a Jew. 
the Jews, the state of Israel, and or which could be considered an affront to Judaism. 25 Jewish House members called on President Trump to fire senior advisor Stephen Miller over leaked emails showing he promoted stories from white nationalist media publications. As Jewish members of Congress, we are calling on you to immediately relieve White House Senior Advisor Stephen Miller of all government responsibilities and dismiss him from your administration, the lawmakers wrote in a letter last Friday. His documented support for white nationalist and virulently anti-immigrant tropes is wholly unacceptable and disqualifying for a government employee. Well, the Jews dislike white nationalists for good reason, the KKK being first among them. But must we now foster a society that is becoming more like the movie, The Minority Report, in which crimes are prevented rather than prosecuted and punished? This Jewish kind of prevention is punishment. The rebuke of Miller comes after the Southern Poverty Law Center published summaries of hundreds of emails Miller sent to Katie McHugh, a former editor at Breitbart News, that included links and references to far-right websites, many of the emails centered around anti-immigrant messages. The content of the emails is not disclosed in the article, but are we to be aghast that someone sends links about far-right websites in an email? What if the sender, not necessarily Stephen Miller, but someone else, sent these kinds of emails in disagreement with the website's contents, but the surveillance state used that to punish the sender? Is the U.S. surveillance state about to become beholden to Judaism's Lashon Hara law that is now repackaged as anti-Semitism? The article continues, The lawmakers expressed alarm over the messages, noting broader concerns about the rise of anti-Semitism and anti-immigrant sentiment across the country. Well, the addition of concerns over anti-immigration is disingenuous, an addition to make it not appear that the issue is centered only on Jewish concerns that someone might speak against a Jew, the Jews, the state of Israel, and or which could be considered an affront to Judaism. The article continues, with America experiencing historic levels of anti-Semitism, xenophobia, racism, and white supremacy, there should be no place in our government and on any president's staff for people propagating such views, they wrote. We will not now or ever accept intolerance or hate anywhere within our government, and especially not in the White House. Another way of saying this is that the U.S. government is now the propaganda machine of the Jews and Judaism. Anything less will not be tolerated by them. The Jews are pushing for their own supremacy against white supremacy. 
why don't they just push for Yahweh to forgive them of their idolatry, reunite the kingdom with 12 tribes, and then tackle Yahweh's real enemies? That would be a better use for all their energy. On behalf of the American taxpayers from our districts contributing to Miller's salary, we urge you to immediately dismiss Stephen Miller from his duties and the White House, they concluded. The letter comes after more than 100 other Democratic members of Congress and several civil rights groups called for Miller's ouster from the administration. However, the administration has indicated that it will stick by Miller, arguing that any criticism against the Jewish staffer was anti-Semitic. Yes, Stephen Miller is a Jew. But he is probably deemed a Jew that doesn't love Israel enough, and thus other Jews, you know, the 25 Jewish lawmakers in Congress, want him fired. They want to drag the U.S. into Israel's internal war of certain types of Jews against certain other and disapproved of types of Jews. Miller defended himself, according to Haaretz, saying, I think the fact that they are continuing to accuse a Jew of being a white nationalist is inherently anti-Semitic, he said, adding that to say a Jewish person that you hold the very ideology that has persecuted your own family is so profoundly inappropriate. There is nothing wrong with my emails. There is nothing wrong with anything I said, unless being proud to be an American and standing up for Americans is a crime, Miller said in the interview. They are trying to cover up the fact that there is this vein of anti-Semitism that pulses through the Democratic Party, Miller said, referencing Representative Ilhan Omar's very stained and sordid history of anti-Semitism and accusing Democrats of breaking bread with Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan. Then, Rabbi Andrew Baker writes in J-Post that Trump's EO on anti-Semitism wasn't perfect, but is still good. Well, good is good enough for Jamie Creetman. Haaretz reports that when Jamie Creetman was a graduate student at Columbia University in the 1980s, she experienced what she describes as hostility and toxicity from her professors and classmates because of her Jewish background. Well, it couldn't be that perhaps she didn't play well with others. Nothing is said of Creetman's character in this article, so how can the reader judge whether Creetman was really the target of hostility and toxicity and not the recipient of what she was giving out? The article further says, A few days after U.S. President Donald Trump signed an executive order on combating anti-Semitism on campuses in December, Creetman rather filed a complaint against her alma mater in the U.S. Department of Education, claiming the situation for current Jewish students is a hundred times worse than when she was attending university. So this means that Trump's EO will now be pushed as retroactive? Can you imagine what will happen 
if the courts accept this EO retroactively, it could cause a backlog of Jewish lawsuits that may prevent prosecution of real crimes. And this Haaretz article reports that a member of an Ann Arbor, Michigan synagogue has filed a federal lawsuit against anti-Israel protesters and the Michigan city over weekly demonstrations that have been held since 2003. The lawsuit, which claims the demonstrations amount to anti-Semitic hate speech, asks the court for an injunction to stop the protesters calling the demonstrations harassing conduct or to place limits on them. What has been happening is the disruption of synagogue services every week from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. This is a crime prosecutable under U.S. criminal laws. It is not anti-Semitism because, I keep repeating, there is no such thing as anti-Semitism in the Bible. U.S. laws are based on biblical laws, not on Judaism's laws. At least, not yet. The article continues, The Southern Poverty Law Center in 2017 identified Dare Yassin Remembered as a Holocaust-denying hate group. The Palestinian village of Dare Yassin was the site of a massacre by Israeli troops in 1948. But here's a twist. Protest leader Henry Herskovitz, oh yeah, said in 2013 that his group was not blaming the synagogue for Israel's actions but was holding the congregation accountable for supporting the state of Israel. According to the Washington Report on Middle East Affairs, the Jewish Michigander wants to reach the hearts and minds of Midwesterners. He seeks not to control minds, but rather urges people, especially those raised to value Zionism above all else, to become aware and to think for themselves. Herskovitz wants Jews and non-Jews to think about Israeli occupation, the false suggestion that all Palestinians are anti-democratic radicals, and the tactics used to silence those who dare speak out in recognition of the political, economic, and social imbalance that Israel has over the Christian and Muslim Arabs. Well, the Palestinians need to be held accountable for their wrongdoing as much as the Jews. Why is Herskovitz not calling for both sides to correct their behavior? Instead, he has taken a position against the state of Israel and is using Trump's new EO as the method to send his message. As much unrighteousness as there is in Israel, the Palestinians perform their fair share of evil as well. Herskovitz formed a small group called Jewish Witnesses for Peace and Friends with a small F for Friends because he wants to make it clear that his concerns are Jewish issues. He printed up signs that read, This is not my Judaism, under a picture of the Huera checkpoint. Stop U.S. aid to Israel and Ann Arbor Jews say, End the Israeli occupation. Herskovitz is one of those Jews whom Trump says doesn't love Israel enough and the Jews in Israel would claim is an anti-Semite. 
Another Israeli Jew pushing the anti-Semite, anti-Zionist rhetoric is Dennis Prager, who discusses how anti-Zionists are, in fact, anti-Semites in this article from Israel Unwired. Let's examine his claims. They say they are criticizing Israel, and that's not anti-Semitic. But the idea of anti-Zionism is being against the state of Israel, not just criticizing it. Well, actually, the Holocaust Remembrance Alliance definition of anti-Semitism is a certain perception of Jews which may be expressed as hatred toward Jews, Rhetorical and physical manifestations of anti-Semitism are directed toward Jewish or non-Jewish individuals and or their property, toward Jewish community institutions and religious facilities. A community institution is not the same as the Israeli state. The U.S. State Department adopted this definition on May 26, 2016. Being critical of something is not necessarily to be against that something. Being critical is often an attempt to get leaders to pay attention and do better. In Yahweh's kingdom, this is the same as calling people to righteousness. This is really the point, isn't it? Prager's number two reason, anti-Zionists make a false argument that Zionism has nothing to do with Judaism and therefore they are not anti-Jewish. Actually, he says, God, the Bible, and Israel are what Judaism is made up of. Well, whatever claims anti-Zionists make or do not make depends on whether they are non-biblical Zionists or biblical Zionists and it has everything to do with Judaism just as he says but not the way he wants it to mean Judaism is non-biblical Zionism since its doctrine of Zion does not match Yahweh's definition given in the scripture thus Zionism is actually the non-biblical Zionism Yeshua's kingdom definition is the correct one, the biblical Zionism definition. So Jews have positioned themselves against Yahweh. It is this position that some, like me, speak out against. Also, being against non-biblical Zion does not mean one is against the Jews. In fact, in the case of Ephraimites, whom we're going to hear more about in a little bit, those Ephraimites whose hearts are in the right place, love of their Jewish brethren drives their continued calling them to veer from the course they are on. In fact, Ephraimites who follow Yeshua would not be fulfilling the requirement of every believer to call wayward brethren to repent and return to Yahweh. We must not sit idly by saying nothing to our Jewish brethren about the path they are now on, otherwise their blood will be on our hands. Those in the Ephraimite movement who hang out with Jews but don't ever mention a word of correction will have blood on their hands. Ezekiel 33 verses 4 to 6 
Then, whosoever hears the sound of the trumpet, and takes not warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that takes warning shall deliver his soul. But if the watchman sees the sword come, and blows not the trumpet, and the people are not warned, if the sword come, and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. We must not fail to speak the words that call Jews to repentance, words that Jews fear, words they will call anti-Semitic and anti-Zionist, otherwise their blood will be on our hands. Sometimes it may seem that I am pushing too hard on the Jews, but I am only pushing back with equal force. As they promulgate their false doctrine around the earth, I am pushing back with the same degree of force. I believe this is in line with Yahweh's instructions to me. And Prager's number three claim, They claim Judaism is only a religion and not a nation. Another invalid statement. The Jews are referred to as a nation more than a hundred times in the Bible. You can have Jews who have different traditions, who are secular, and even who are atheists, but they are still Jews. Even if they try to take religion out of their lives, they are still considered Jews. Well, Prager is right on this one. The Jews, with their Judaism that defies Yahweh's Torah, was called a nation in Scripture. It was the Judaism that the prophets denounced so heartily until the Jews killed them each in turn as they came along to prophesy against Judaism's practices. The killing, ironically, was done under the Lashon Hara law, which today is wrapped up in the anti-words, anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism. However, it is not true that the Orthodox will continue tolerating Jews with different traditions or those who are secular or atheist. All Jews, along with as many Gentiles as the Jews can stuff into the Noahide classification, will be required to take the religious oath or die. Matthew 10:16 to 18 Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be you therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. Verse 29. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets, i.e., those who call them, who have called them to repentance, and garnish the sepulchres of the righteous, and say, If we had been in the days of our fathers, we would have not been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore you are witnesses to yourselves that you are the children of them which killed the prophets. 
Fill you up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you generation of vipers. How can you escape the damnation of hell? Wherefore, behold, I send to you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them you shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall you scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. So we need to unravel Prager's next statement that all Jews are Jews, even secular Jews. Hang in here with me while I go down a little rabbi trail that all Jews are Jews regardless of their sins was changed when Yeshua died and resurrected Yeshua established the righteous olive tree into which all Israelites including Judah, Benjamin, Simeon and Levi must be grafted Yeshua indicated that he was about to kick them out of the covenant Matthew 3, 9 and 10 and think not to say within yourselves we have Abraham to our father for I say to you that God is able of these stones to raise up children to Abraham and now also the axe is laid to the root of the trees therefore every tree which brings forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire Apostle Paul preached that only Jews who believed in Yeshua Messiah were true Jews Yeshua told the Jewish leadership their house was being left desolate by him meaning they would not be part of the house of Judah and of course there is always the pervasive false doctrine in the house of Judah that the tribes of Benjamin, Simeon and Levi are now just Judah there is no distinction between the tribes there anymore this is the reason the rabbis teach that it is the Jews who are called to be priests during Yeshua's time there were no Aaronic priests serving in Jerusalem any Jew could serve in the temple if he paid enough money to the Romans the rabbis liked that system then and they still like it today it all goes back to that couple of little scriptures that no one wants to look at critically or in their entirety first Chronicles 5 1 and 2 now the sons of Reuben the firstborn of Israel for he was the firstborn but forasmuch as he defiled his father's bed his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph the son of Israel and the genealogy is not to be reckoned after the birthright for Judah prevailed above his brethren and of him came the chief ruler but the birthright was Joseph's Judah was a bully today Judah is still a bully he prevailed then and will prevail for a short time again in this time period in a recent article in Breaking Israel News written by Rivka Lambert Adler false teacher states that ignoring the traditional Jewish understanding of the verse these Ephraimites use 1st Chronicles 5 1 to bolster their case that the descendants of Joseph including Ephraim and by extension themselves are the true heirs of the promises God made to the Jewish people throughout the Hebrew scriptures correct 
We ignore the traditional Jewish understanding because it is skewed to the point that it will bring about the mystery Babylon's beast and the Antichrist. Adler wrongly claims, as do all rabbis, that Yahweh's promises are only for the Jews. Now, getting back to Dennis Prager, that the Jews were called a nation in Scripture. He needs to be reminded that the northern house of Israel was also called a nation in Scripture. And all Jews need to be reminded that they are only one-third of all the tribes that will be gathered back to the land by Yahweh. Anti-Semitism is a word that is on the tip of everyone's tongue now. And that word is being spewed and bandied about like a war cry. In fact, it is a war cry. The Jews are dressing up their self-absorption in an anti-Semitic robe to lead non-Jews down the merry anti-Semite road to Mystery Babylon. Dennis Prager and Rivka Lambert Adler are both anti-Semitic against the house of Israel. Yes, Ephraim is a Shemite. Jews accuse Christians, Ephraimites, Hebrew roots believers, and even Messianic Jews because of replacement theology. But there is some horrible replacement theology swirling in the Jews today, particularly from black Hebrew Israelites. Jews teach that Christians created replacement theology. The truth is that Christianity did create a replacement theology theology doctrine that teaches the church replaced it replaced rather all Israel that is all the house of Judah and the house of Israel with Christians Adler's latest article new evil cults of replacement theology popping up a sign Messiah nearing has a lot to say about the skewed evil replacement doctrine of black Hebrew Israelites not to be confused with Hebrew roots who believe that only Negroes, Hispanics, and Native Americans are Israel. According to them, all light-skinned people, Caucasians, are Edomites bound for destruction. At least the Catholic Church and its replacement theology allows for salvation for belief in Yeshua Messiah. Black Hebrew Israelites do not. If you have the wrong skin color, you're just out of luck. Adler speaks of other Ephraimites, some in a kinder light and some not. But what Adler fails to understand is that Judaism was the first to be infatuated with replacement theology. Judaism's replacement theology says that all Israel was replaced with only the Jews. When Yeshua tried to disavow them of that false notion, they killed him. So you see, this war of words that is going on today, anti-Semite, anti-Zionist, is just kingdom of Israel war rhetoric between the two houses. Judah is determined to put Joseph in the pit again, but this time they intend for him to never get out. He won't be going anywhere. 
not to Egypt, only to Judaism or the grave. For the Jews, crying about their mistreatment, and they are being mistreated, it would be good for them to call the situation for what it really is, persecution. But they won't do that because that would require them to look at themselves to see how in the world they contributed to their own persecution. Rather than saying that they are being persecuted on behalf of the nations. Yahweh said he sends chastisement to those he loves. Well, he loves the house of Judah and is bringing punishment to the Jews so they will turn from their wickedness. They won't. We'll get mystery Babylon. Jerusalem as we know it will be destroyed. The Jews will meet Yeshua again and then it will all be different. But for right now, we have to go down this path. The elect who live through this time are specially selected by Yahweh for this purpose at this time. End of Rabbi Trail. Speaking of Yeshua, there is a fight between the Jews and Palestinians about him. The Palestinians have claimed for years that Yeshua was a Palestinian. We all know there were no Palestinians then. There were Jews in Judea and Samarians in Galilee. There were also some Jews in Galilee, all of them from ancient Israelite stock. Yeshua was a Jew from the tribe of Judah. He was even born in Bethlehem in Judah's territory, but he lived in Nazareth in the north after Joseph and Mary returned from Egypt. So today's Palestinians are just plain wrong. Bethlehem may be in Palestinians' territory right now, but it doesn't belong to them. It belongs to Judah. However, now the Jews are getting into this fight. They don't even want Yeshua, but to keep the Palestinians from winning their claim, some Jews are now claiming him, even though they are not recognizing him as their Messiah. In modern terms, all Jews were once Mizrahi Jews, according to this article in uh, aljaminer.com. Therefore, if you want to give Jesus a contemporary ethnicity, this article says, it is Mazrahi Jew that fits, not Palestinian. The Jews don't want him, but they don't want anyone else to claim him either. Can the anti-Semitism, anti-Zionism fight get any more convoluted and complicated? I think it will. Believers in Yeshua who refuse to worship the coming Jewish beast's image in Revelation 13:15 will die for their faith and they will be called anti-Semites and anti-Zionists for rejecting worshiping the beast of Judah. Stay tuned. I'll be right back after these messages. Glorious be the horse and rider thrown into the sea. I will sing unto the Lord, for he is triumph, glorious be the horse and rider thrown into the sea. The Lord, my God. 
thank you for listening to the Jerusalem Report on Beast Watch News. Full news coverage with a Hebraic perspective of the headlines fulfilling Bible prophecy. Remember to financially and prayerfully support Beast Watch News for keeping you up to date. Send your donation to Beast Watch News today. It takes money to operate this ministry, and your help is much appreciated. Now let's take a look at the charges of anti-Semitism and racism that are heating up the Israeli election. The Israel is a religious state issue is getting hot and heavy over there. First, here is Haaretz with an allegation of racism tainting the election. A rotten stench of racism is wafting from the decision by the head of the Habayid Hayahudi party, Education Minister Rafi Peretz, to join forces for the coming election with the far-right Otsma Yehudit party, which spews hatred of Arabs in the spirit of the late Rabbi Meir Kahane. The merger between the Jewish Home Party and the extremist far-right Otsma Yehudit, or Jewish Power Party, will continue Israel's path toward the Jordan option. Even if Netanyahu loses, and he just may, Israel is walking this path that will lead them to war. Why? Otsma Yehudit want to expel Arabs from historic lands. Furthermore, Otsma Yehudit's leadership is made up of disciples of the American-born Rabbi Meir Kahane, whose Jewish supremacist Kach party was banned under Israeli law for incitement to racism and later declared a terrorist group. So now this Jewish supremacist terror group is once again mainstream in Israel. Al Monitor reports that the merger of the right-wing parties should help them have no problem passing the electoral threshold with five seats to spare. Benny Gantz suspects there is a snake in the woodpile. Blue and white chief Benny Gantz led criticism of a renewed electoral pact between Jewish Home and the far-right Otsma Yehudit party on Friday, calling it a sad day for Israel's national religious community. He further suggested Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's fingerprints were all over the merger deal. It is not clear if Netanyahu has orchestrated these mergers or their formation was a byproduct of his political troubles. However, it would not come as a surprise to find out that he had orchestrated this merger, perhaps in the hope they will form a government with Likud, which would give the ultra-Orthodox parties unprecedented power to continue their agenda to enforce Israel as a religious state. Furthermore, such a merger with radical right Otsma Yehudit might push more moderate religious national voters to turn elsewhere. In fact, such a merger would help the new right win more moderate voters from the religious Zionist camp, giving it as many as eight seats. If that happens, the right-wing ultra-Orthodox bloc has a reasonable chance of getting 61 seats or more. 
Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu reportedly praised a deal uniting Jewish home and Otsma Yehudit factions ahead of rather the March elections, a move that will potentially bring anti-Arab extremists back into the political fold. A column in pro-Netanyahu tabloid Israel Hayom Sunday praised the merger as a necessary step for right-wing victory, and the report added that Netanyahu was expected to take a more active role in pushing for right-wing parties to unite after the Likud leadership primary on Thursday, assuming he defeats challenger Gideon Saar. Now, a look at the ICC probe, which is being claimed to be a Greek occupation and anti-Semitic. The latest ICC probe of Israel war crimes is being called anti-Semitic. It isn't the ICC probe that I want to focus on, but a statement made regarding this matter by Israel Unwired in this article titled, Anti-Semites, Watch Out, Hanukkah is the Magic, I hate that attribution, weapon, the magic weapon of the Jewish people. Wow, magic. Kabbalah magic, not Yahweh's blessed hand of protection. The Jews have drawn a parallel between this ICC probe and the Hanukkah story. Here is the Israel Unwired statement. Celebrating the holiday of Hanukkah is the Jewish people's secret weapon. Our enemies will never be able to defeat us. If only more Jews connected and understood the true meaning of the holiday. Well, here's what the Bible says, Revelation 18:7. How much she has glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen. I am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Avi Abelo says in this article, the Greeks in the Hanukkah story didn't want to kill the Jews. They were forcing us to stop following the laws of the Torah, to stop being Jews. They only killed us when we didn't stop following our Bible laws. Well, no, that was Yahweh trying to turn the Jews away from Judaism and back to the Bible because they don't follow the Torah and, they, and the Lord was using the Greeks to accomplish this. It didn't work. So he sent in the Romans. That still didn't work. So he scattered them all over the earth the way he had the house of Israel. Now Yahweh has brought back the Jews with the intent that they should come first, followed by the house of Israel. But that is not working, so he will have to take further action in the Great Tribulation. And now, a look at what the Sanhedrin is up to. The war for the world is lining up. The Sanhedrin used this year's menorah lighting ceremony of Hanukkah to declare war on the entire world. Here is what Breaking Israel News reported.
The Sanhedrin hosted a menorah lighting on Mount Zion for all nations, bringing together representatives of all humanity in what is the battle call for the war of the sons of light. The battle call for the war of the sons of light against the sons of darkness. The battle lines have already been drawn and at stake are the fates of several governments if not the world this is in the article this is them declaring their intent a delegation representing the Noahides were present at the event this included a delegation of Arabs as such, the Noahide delegation was composed of representatives from Ham and Japheth. Along with the Jews, the offspring of Shem, this will bring together all three sons of Noah representing all of humanity. So let's get this straight. According to the Jews, if you're an Arab, you are from Ham or Japheth. Jews are from Shem. Question. What fables have they been reading? Now, we're going to turn our attention to Turkey and its fight for dominance. Congress wants to sanction Turkey over its deal with Russia to purchase the S-400 missile system. The sanctions will also limit Turkey's ability to purchase U.S. military equipment such as the F-35 fighter plane as long as Turkey refuses to cancel its Russian deals. And Turkey defied Congress this week saying it will keep the Russian missiles. But the Trump administration is now trying to protect Turkey from the, the congressional sanctions bill. Trump warned that sanctions against Turkey would hurt American-Turkish relations. It also notes that Turkey is a NATO member and an economic partner of the United States. The team Trump opposes a provision in the bill that would help Syrian Kurdish refugees immigrate to the United States. In the seven-page description of the Trump administration's views, the administration detailed a host of problems with the legislation. The administration argued that the legislation would effectively terminate U.S.-Turkey defense trade, which would increase Turkey's reliance on Russia or other adversary arms providers for weapons. The bill would also treat Turkey as a pariah in NATO, feeding a narrative that the Russian Federation would likely seek to amplify and exploit. The real problem for Trump, actually, would be the loss of the Encirlik military base from where U.S. fighter planes launch into combat in Syria. The Senate bill also includes sanctions against Hulk Bank, sorry, a Turkish bank accused of participating in a multi-billion dollar sanctions evasion operation on behalf of the Iranian government. Though the Trump administration already has the authority to level sanctions against Hulk Bank, 
it hasn't done so, perplexing many observers of Trump's Iran policy. The Justice Department, however, has charged Hulk Bank with helping Iran illegally access billions of dollars. And the chief of the DOJ's National Security Division, John Demers, called it one of the most serious Iran sanctions violations we have seen. Well, this leads to the next topic, the Malaysia Summit. Turkey helping Iran circumvent U.S. sanctions is a good reason that Iran was the only Shiite nation at last week's Malaysia summit and which placed Pakistan's seat. The Malaysia summit was indeed, as was feared, denied or designed rather to form a new Islamic coalition that leaves out the excluded nations, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Jordan, etc. After Pakistan and Indonesia decided not to attend, the summit organizers announced that Iran would take their place, and the summit was thus held with the Malaysian, Turkish, Qatari, and Iranian leaders, and reflected the emergence of an anti-Saudi Islamic axis comprising the states that support the uh, MB, Turkey, Qatar, and Malaysia, and Iran, the patron of the Shiite militias in the Middle East. In their speeches at the summit, the Muslim heads of state directed criticism at the OIC and thus indirectly at Saudi Arabia, and also criticized the policy of the U.S. Malaysian PM Mahathir, lamented the crisis and problems of the Muslim world, and also said the Muslims have lost their honor in the eyes of the world. Turkish President Erdogan called for reforming the OIC. He has also called for changing the makeup of the UN Security Council because the world is bigger than the five countries that constitute its permanent members and because it does not represent the world's 1.7 billion Muslims. Iranian President Rouhani called on the Muslim countries to fight the economic terror of the U.S. and the hegemony of the dollar in the global market. Putting this partnership between the Sunni Turks and the Shiite Iranians in the light of Daniel 11.44, it is easy to see why Iran will only launch its offensive south to not include the Sunni nations east and north of the Middle East. However, as Daniel prophesies, those nations will not tolerate a new caliphate under Shia Islam. The caliphate was in Shiite hands only three times before, and each time the Sunnis ripped it out of Shiite hands. Sunni Turkey will seek to do the same again. In Daniel 7, verses 7 and 8, it says, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces, and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. And I considered the horns, and behold... 
there came up among them another little horn before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots and behold in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things the little horn is another Shiite caliphate that appears at the end of days for a short time it had three previous attempts to become a ruler but they were plucked up by the Sunnis each time there will be another war for Islamic dominance after the king of the north attacks the king of the south Daniel's fourth beast in chapter 7 relates to Revelation's eighth beast Revelation 17 10 and 11 says and there are seven kings five are fallen and one is and the other is not yet come and when he comes he must continue a short space and the beast that was and is not he is the eighth and is of the seven and goes into perdition the idea of finding an alternative to the dollar appeared to be one of the topics with which the summit was preoccupied according to reports the participants discussed a strategic economic development plan based on the economic independence of the Muslim world and international monetary system free of foreign hegemony they also discussed a plan for a virtual currency to replace the dollar amidst the distraction of the politics surrounding Pakistan's withdrawal the heads of state of Malaysia Turkey Iran and Qatar discussed ways to counteract global trends in Islamophobia well the Jews are trying to gain global hegemony using anti-semitism and anti-Zionism as leverage to move people toward joining with them while Islam is trying its is continuing its fight against Islamophobia and using economic measures in the end Armageddon will be the military component of this ongoing war between Esau and Jacob that's it for this Beast Watch News update this is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecies